From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Once again, we count it a privilege to welcome you to another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak. Today, we'll hear another message in the life and earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, a series preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns shortly. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, as found in his collection called Morning and Evening. This morning's text comes from Psalm 91 and verse 9. Thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. The Israelites in the wilderness were continually exposed to change. Whenever the pillar stayed its motion, the tents were pitched. But tomorrow, ere the morning sun had risen, the trumpets sounded, the ark was in motion, and the fiery, cloudy pillar was leading the way through the narrow defiles of the mountain, up the hillside, or along the arid waste of the wilderness. They had scarcely time to rest a little, before they heard the sound of, Away, this is not your rest. You must still be onward journeying towards Canaan. They were never long in one place. Even wells and palm trees could not detain them. Yet they had an abiding home in their God. His cloudy pillar was their roof-tree, and its flame by night their household fire. They must go onward from place to place, continually changing, never having time to settle and to say, Now we are secure. In this place we shall dwell. Yet, says Moses, though we are always changing, Lord, Thou hast been our dwelling place throughout all generations. The Christian knows no change with regard to God. He may be rich today and poor tomorrow. He may be sickly today and well tomorrow. He may be in happiness today. Tomorrow he may be distressed, but there is no change with regard to his relationship to God. If he loved me yesterday, he loves me today. My unmoving mansion of rest is my blessed Lord. Let prospects be blighted, let hopes be blasted, let joy be withered, let mildews destroy everything. I have lost nothing of what I have in God." He is my strong habitation, whereunto I can continually resort. I am a pilgrim in the world, but at home in my God. In the earth I wander, but in God I dwell in a quiet habitation. So 
Among the great classics of Christian literature, A.W. Tozer's The Pursuit of God is remarkable for its impact on the lives of countless believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. The product of a lifelong passion for knowing God in an intimate, soul-refreshing relationship, this small volume exposes the roadblocks that keep us from fully knowing God, reveals our responsibility of the pursuit, and ultimately leads us into the very presence of God Himself. Some of the chapter titles include Following Hard After God, Restoring the Creator-Creature Relation, and The Sacrament of Living. As you read and study Tozer's penetrating insights, you will learn the meaning of Paul's words in Philippians 3, verse 10, that I may know him. Let the Bible Speak is pleased to offer complete reprints of this timeless devotional help, free of charge, for your copy of The Pursuit of God, you may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. You may email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. 
If you wish, you may simply write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Just ask for your free copy of The Pursuit of God, and we'll be glad to provide it. This week on Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns is focusing upon Christ's transfiguration on the mount in a message entitled, A Glimpse of the Glory of Christ, as recorded in Luke chapter 8, verses 28 through 36. Of the many lessons contained in this event, one of the most important is that Christ's glory as revealed here was an earned glory. It was a preview of what the Lord would earn by His passage through suffering and death for His people. It displays His office as mediator between God and men. The fact that Moses and Elijah appeared with Christ reminds us that Old Testament saints were saved in the same way we are, by faith in the finished work of Christ. Now Dr. Cairns continues this message, A Glimpse of the Glory of Christ. You remember what Paul wrote to the Hebrews in Hebrews 2.9? He says, we see Jesus crowned with glory and honor. That's as he is now. They saw him then, the glory of heaven. This must have been truly a wonderful sight. I would not be dogmatic, but I would tend to believe that the cloud that came down upon the mount was something in the order of the cloud that overshadowed the tabernacle. That it was the cloud of the Shekinah glory of God. Do you see what is happening? We have the glory of God the Son on earth. We have the glory of God the Father from heaven. Now, Let me make a distinction here. 
The Shekinah glory belongs to deity. It is the expression in a form that man can be impressed by of the absolute perfections of eternal deity. And that's why these people feared so vastly as the cloud came upon them. I don't think these men would have feared simply at an ordinary black cloud falling on top of a mountain. But the cloud of the glory of God's perfections scared them. Now the glory that filled the face of Christ was not the glory of essential deity. It was the glory of the acceptance and the exaltation of Christ because of all his righteousness in life and his victory in death. It is the glory of Christ the mediator. It is the glory of Christ the God-man. It is the glory of his accomplishments that they saw. But see this, what a beautiful picture. The glory of unincarnate deity meets the glory of the perfect mediator. God is satisfied and man is reconciled because finally there is a man with an earned glory who is worthy of the very presence of the Shekinah glory of God. No other man is worthy of that. Let me tell you, that's what it takes to enter heaven. Unless a man has an earned glory, that satisfies and can live with the Shekinah glory of the all-perfect God, that man will never enter heaven. Can you see the stupidity and folly, the danger of presenting God with the tawdry rags of self-righteousness? Can you see the folly of thinking, I can work my way to heaven? I can pray my way to heaven? I can give my way to heaven? I can live my way to heaven? At our very best, we're sinners. We can never earn a glory that can live with the Shekinah glory of God. But here's the gospel. There is a man who did that. The God-man. The Son of God manifested in the flesh for our redemption. He did that. And you see that glory accepted here by the Father. Well, you notice very carefully that his raiment is particularly mentioned. And I want to emphasize that because that raiment that is white 
and glistering, dazzling in the purity and perfection of its holiness and righteousness. That raiment is the perfect merit of Jesus Christ. That raiment is the robe of righteousness, as the Bible calls it, the garment of salvation. Now, when you turn to the 19th chapter of Revelation, you find that the bride of Christ, that the believers in Christ, they are clothed with white linen. They are clothed with a garment of absolute purity, spotless perfection that is acceptable to God. What is that garment? It is the very garment of Christ's accomplishment. It is the imputed righteousness of Christ. I tell you today, here is God's way of salvation for sinners. Forget the filthy rags of your own righteous living. Confess that your very religion is sin. Confess that your very righteousness is filthy in the sight of God. Confess that you can do nothing to impress God or to gain acceptance with Him. Then come and look upon this figure of glory, the Lord Jesus Christ, and receive from His hand a perfect righteousness. Get not what you deserve, but what He deserves. That's what grace is all about. Grace gave Christ what we deserve in order to give us what He deserves. Well, that's the change that took place in Christ on that Mount of Transfiguration. The company He had in that Mount is interesting. It was Moses and Elijah. And the interesting thing is that they shared His glory. Verse 31, they appeared in glory. You see, the Lord Jesus does not only merit this place in glory for Himself, but He merits it for His people. It's a beautiful thought that the Lord Jesus Christ never appears in glory alone. You just look at your Bible. The Lord Jesus does not appear in glory alone. It was alone he bled and died. It was alone that he was in the darkness of Calvary. It was alone that he took all the wrath of God that was our due. It was alone that he purchased eternal redemption. It was alone that he evacuated death and hell of all their power and took away the guilt and the curse of our sin. He suffered, bled, and died. He paid the price alone. But when it comes to the glory... He is never alone. It is always Christ and His people. Christ and those for whom He died. Those to whom He communicates His grace. The Lord Jesus Christ, here on the Mount of Transfiguration, has with Him His people. It's interesting that they were Old Testament saints. I think that that settles a big theological argument once and for all. 
These were with Christ glorified. They are certainly part of the true church of Christ. They without us, Paul tells the Hebrews, will not be made perfect. In other words, we are one in Christ. But here are these Old Testament saints and they're in glory. How are they in glory? Not by keeping the law of Moses, but by virtue of the glory earned by Jesus Christ. They are one with him. It's interesting here that I think every commentator looking at this passage uh, rightly sees in it a preview of the end of the age when Christ will show his glory, not just to a handful, but to the whole universe. And there will then be a Moses and an Elijah, if you want it. Moses died, and God buried him. Moses died. Elijah didn't die. Elijah was taken up bodily. You know, before the Lord Jesus comes, many of us are going to die. I don't know when he's coming. Perhaps all of us will die. We're going to die. The world wants to tell you that that's an inferior place. As regards comparing that with uh, the Christians that would be alive and remain to when the Lord comes, I don't know that that's true. I've often quoted Dr. Paisley as saying, he wanted to die, not be alive when the Lord comes, because he wanted to know every victory that the Lord could give, and uh, the victory over death as a major one. A lot of people wouldn't see it that way, but that's the way he sees it, and I respect him for that. But there will be people who will die. There will be those who will be alive and remain. Symbolized by Moses and Elijah. Those who die and those who don't. But what do we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 15? I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, starting a little earlier actually. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also will God bring with him. Why can he say that? How can he say that? The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. That's Moses, if you will. Then we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord. There you've got your Elijahs. First, the saints who have died, resurrected. Then those who are alive at the time of the coming of Christ, raised with them. Them together as one mighty church rising to meet the Lord in the air as he comes to earth. So shall we ever be with the Lord, wherefore comfort one another with these words. I don't want to start preaching in 1 Thessalonians 4. But let this be a comfort. You know, sickness and death are real. This congregation has quite a few people at this time who are battling terminal illness or what appears to be terminal illness or at least what is very, very serious. 
a very serious medical condition. We have it in our families. We have it among our friends. Some of you young people uh, think it's all very remote. But let me tell you, the older you get, the more it, it hits home. Those who are younger than you die off. Those who are older than you die off. And every day you will hear the footsteps of the grim huntsman on your pathway. Death is real. We say we'll pray about you because you're sick. And the idea always seems to be we're going to pray that you'll get better. Well, you know, sometimes that's not going to happen. If the Lord always made us better, we would never die. But we're going to die. If the Lord doesn't come first, we're going to die. So it's not always, Lord, make them better. There is something more important than that. Whether we live or die, Lord, give us the comfort of our glorious Christ. Give us the absolute assurance that if I die, I'm going to be with Christ, which is far better. I'm going to be with Christ. Give me that assurance, not just as an article of belief, not just as a theory of theology, but as a personal, living, vital, joyous assurance. The old Methodists used to talk about dying well. Dying well. That's what we need. I pray constantly that the Lord will let me die well. I ask the Lord with regularity that he'd be with me in life, that he'd be with me if I have to face sickness, that he fulfill his word and make my bed in sickness. And if I come to the last article of death, that he will be with me in that hour and carry me through with the assurance. That's something to pray about. listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. If you wish, you may call us at 1-864-244-2408. That's 1-864-244-2408. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. (music) 